podcast fans. It's your host, Danny here. Before we get started, I just want to add a quick disclaimer that everything we are saying in this episode is purely based on opinions that are based on personal experience. We're not here to hate anybody. We are here to share stories, and I'm also not trying to get sued. So stay tuned, do your own research, form your own opinions. I know you're going to love this one. Welcome back, everybody, to the X's and T podcast. I cannot believe what we have in store for you today. I really can't because you imagine all of the stories that we've heard from people, people who have been part of worldwide, people who have been a part of domestic violence relationships, people who just have stories to tell. And I cannot thank everybody enough who has come onto this podcast and shared a story because your story is inspiring people. And I have two guests today. I do want to say that these guests are anonymous. Every name has been changed from their names to anybody that they're going to be speaking about. These are their personal opinions. These are their experiences. And any organizations that we talk about, purely just based on experience, this is no hate, no shame to them. But these folks that I have here today have a story to tell. And quite the story it is. Because the, what they told me about the research that I have done is quite literally insane. So if you are interested in all of these different cult-like stories, stay tuned because this one's for you. So I would like to introduce my guests. Again, names have been changed. I have Allison and John. Hello. Hello. So you guys reached out to me on Instagram because you heard all of the different stories that we've told about Worldwide Dream Builders. But you guys are not here to talk about Amware Worldwide Dream Builders. You guys had left, I would consider it to be a church cult-like environment. Is that safe to say? Yes, I would say that. So this is called the Potter's House. Correct. Yep. Yep. All right. So is that also called the door or some some sort of other name as something door? Yeah, it wasn't until we had left it that we when we like researched it a little bit more that apparently they had gone through a, some kind of rebranding. But yeah, I guess they're also known as the door. Okay. Yeah, and then CFM is their kind of like a organization behind it all. But yeah, definitely. Okay. It, it was a lot that we unpacked for sure. So CFM, that stands for Christian Fellowship Ministries. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. First and foremost, thank you guys so much for your willingness to come on and share this story. I, I'm still learning. And when you guys mentioned the Potter's House, I'd never heard of this before. When I was looking into it, it very much has a, a similar feel to Worldwide Dream Builders, with the exception that they don't use the Amway Corporation. They're quite literally using a church and the idea of spreading churches. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Okay. What is it that compelled you guys to want to tell your story? Well, I had been a fan of your podcast and I've heard others share their Amway experiences. And I realized you were kind of local to our area in Arizona. And I was surprised that you hadn't talked about this before because it, it is kind of a big kind of thing in, uh, in Arizona. So we had such a crazy experience that I felt like someone else listening maybe would have as well. And possibly could have compelled them to share their story too. Thank you so much for that. I do really appreciate it. And yeah, this whole thing started in Prescott, Arizona. I thought that was pretty cool. 
I mean, I've been to Prescott and it was just a visit, but I never would have guessed when I was there, that was the hub of some like mega, is it safe to call it a mega church? Cause when I think of mega church, I think of like, uh, I don't really know to be honest. Yeah. I'm sure a few of them probably are like mega status, but it's more so like the classic, like prosperity gospel type churches. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they, they fit like whole arenas, but probably across the nation and even Australia, they could fit multiple mega churches size-wise. Okay. So maybe a combination. If you got all of these supposed churches together, they would be like a mega church because there's different, um, I guess you could call them legs, right? Legs of affiliation or LOAs. Kind of that's the term that they use for MLMs, right? So Worldwide Dream Builders is a line of affiliation of Amway. And that's what this sounds like is that this hub church has just spread its legs nationwide, internationally. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And we're still Christians and we still like are pretty adamant in our faith, but this doesn't seem to be like the most, I guess, biblically way of spreading churches. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I can imagine that being people of faith, you're you're interested in hearing other people's interest. And I can imagine that when you get around an environment that's so positive, that it's very appealing, especially if it's driven by the faith that you hold so deeply in your heart, which is fantastic, by the way. But that's exactly how I got drawn into Worldwide was because you talk about being in just this negative environment, you walk into a room with all all these robotic people in suits and they're all just so uplifting and positive. That's what kept me coming around. How did you, how did you come to learn about Potter's house? So we learned about Potter's house because we were new to the area and just living in an apartment to start and our next door neighbors, we heard them worshiping from their home. We were like going out to walk our dogs and we didn't really know. We think we had met them only like one, one time at that point. And the next time we saw him, we were like, oh, hey, heard you guys worshiping. Where do you guys go to church? And that's when the pastor, our neighbor said, oh, well, we were worshiping. Like, this is our church. Like, we have a church from home, basically. So they invited oh, us okay. to um, to attend that. So I we went over, I think, probably the next Sunday. And that's kind of how we really got exposed to it all. That's a really cool story because you're new to the area. And obviously, you had no idea that this church was even based in Arizona. So it's not like you moved here for that purpose. When you're new to somewhere, you want to find a home church. And it's really cool that your neighbors were so willing to share that with you. When you had met them and their church from home, did they then take you to like a larger, I guess, like an actual church, if that makes sense? Yeah. So at first, uh, it was just currently in their house. And we were reassured that it was because they were currently in the process of, I guess, acquiring or renting a property. So after that, we, I guess there's only like one service, I think that was like, quote unquote, from their house, like that home church. After that, I think they literally just moved into, not moved into, started operating out of this next property. Okay. What was your first impression? I I was pretty cool. I was like, oh man, they're starting a church. Like I was like, oh yeah, this is a cool thing to do. And I expected there to be like more people or anything, but uh, I guess we later come to find out when we attend the first service, like a couple services, that it was only like maybe what eight people, yeah, eight to seven, like, and that was it. And half of that was the pastor's family. So like maybe three other people, four other people who actually went to the church. Everyone else was the pastor's family. So we were definitely like kind of like happy to be there because it was a brand new church. We thought we wanted to support it. Yeah, you know, be all get started, be on the ground floor or something. Yeah, and I mean, when I first went, when it was still in their apartment. 
environment like i was it wasn't like the normal church we would go to we were used to kind of like the more modernized fog machine like hipster vibe kind of churches like we didn't go to the more traditional churches that the potter's house pretty much is from our experience i was just really wanting to give it a shot like i thought because it was in their home they're probably not going to do the full experience that they would be in an actual building so we figured we would give it some more time for them to get up to like par, I guess. Yeah, and not to mention um, they're literally our next door neighbors. Yeah. Like literally right across the, yeah. the hallway. Right next door. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like if we no could support joke. them, like why not be a good neighbor? Yeah, absolutely. I I would do the same thing, especially if you have a similar faith, you find that you're vibing. I mean, that's the good person thing to do, I think, especially when you know you would want people to support you the same way if this was your venture in life. So in total, how long did you guys attend Potter's house? Oh, geez. It was honestly not as long as we thought looking back. Yeah. Like it was it less than a year, I think. I think it was probably oh, okay. May of 2020 to January of 2021 so almost a full year so it felt like so yeah. much longer like yeah. we'll, we'll get into like all that we did but they were probably kind of couldn't get away from them i should say yeah yeah no actually that was that was another question that i was gonna have is how long did like how often did you go um uh, but what did like a typical i guess service look like like when you go there you're there obviously multiple times a week were they all the exact same thing or were they doing different things at different times uh they were very similar so i can't speak on behalf of all potter houses just the ones we've been to uh so the service was pretty much like i guess pretty much scheduled and like similar so they'd always open uh blessings and prayers you have like you can switch prayers then they'd get into i guess the tithing part which they really harped on it was uh like i think they did worship first. oh they yeah they definitely did worship first i apologize yeah so they did worship first and then you want to talk about the tithing yeah so like i mean worship sermon from the pastor then tithing would be towards the end um and they would usually have like a kid going around collecting everyone's tithes which i don't know if that's more so more so supposed to like be the guilt factor like you want to donate to a kid giving it rather than an adult but yeah it would be like a kid going around collecting everyone's money and that's when they would their attitude towards it would be like getting you to give as much as you can. Like they would be cheering you on to tithe. Like they'd be like, yeah, let's give a blessing in the house of God. Like kind of like, yeah. I don't know. They just did it up. weird verbiages like that. Yeah. And they'd always use like parables to like reference the fact that, oh, you're only given this much. Don't worry. God's going to give you like a hundred times that amount, 10 times that amount. Like whatever you put in, it's, it's going to be untoldly. Like you're going to get it all back. So they were really harping on that. Like every time and it would be that every time where they pump it up and they say a parable about giving and just how much that's going to affect your life and how much your life's going to change. It's going to be so much better. And it was like really, really harped on. It felt like really like stress. And just the fact that it was so tiny too, if you didn't <laughs> give, you were like, the weird one for yeah. not giving it was so but obvious we even already had like online giving set up too even though it didn't look like we were tithing at, at times like we were we just like electronically have it set up yeah and then the rest of the service would just go usually like they'd have a service where pastor would talk about a certain section of the bible whatever try to you know what that's probably like more an uplifting message yeah applicable. But then another weird part that we'll probably also like get into more was like the altar calls and the speaking in tongues. 
So there would be an altar call, like at the end of every service where you were expected, basically, even if you didn't feel compelled, you were expected to go to the front, kind of get on your knees and like pray, I guess, repent. And then speaking in tongues, I don't know if you did your research, kind of explored that a little bit, but it it's almost supposed to be like your way of talking to God. But that's how they describe in the Bible. I believe it's meant to be more so as a language that you communicate to with others. Yeah, it's so like, I, I can give more into it. So, uh, yeah, so during the service, it was basically just a regular message. And then at the end, they'd always do an ending the service with worship. And then they had like an altar call where pretty much everyone was kind of like expected and or forced to come up and just kneel in front of the altar, even if you didn't feel compelled to. Uh, I went to church like pretty on and off my youth. It wasn't until I became an adult that I became a regular church goer. And I've never been to a church service that like had an altar call. So to me, that was like very like, oh, what the heck's going on? Like, what are you doing? Are we supposed to be doing this? And a lot of times, like the first couple of times I didn't do it, but after a while, you just kind of feel peer pressured into doing it. Even if you don't feel strictly compelled to do it in that moment, like maybe you're, you know, you don't feel that like love from God right at that very moment, but it was kind of just expected. You just go up, get on your hands and knees or like get on your knees or like bow your head and just, just mimic what everyone else is doing. And a lot of the times when this was happening, they would be speaking in tongue. Now, the best way I could describe it is ridiculous gibberish. They would say a lot of words really incoherently, and it just sounded like babble. And it wasn't until like, we can probably get into it later, but it wasn't until like later on that I realized what the heck's going on. The first couple months, like we, we didn't hear it like at all, if not sparing because it was such a tiny church that it was, it was really the church. pastor and his wife that were doing it but we later did visit a um, a larger church which was their mother church and experienced it way more crazily which... yeah it was that was like our light switch moment like all right this is nuts so if you don't so if i if i from my understanding usually in the bible uh there's some references to it in a lot of the, basically during the Pentecostal holiday or Pentecostal miracle, I think it is, where basically uh, a lot of the apostles were given, quote unquote, the gift of tongues. And what it means that it means that basically it's just another word for language. They were given the gift of many languages. So whatever the apostles said during that moment, it could spread throughout and every, no matter where you're from, you could hear it. Like everyone was, I think it was Pentecost, not Pentecost, a holiday. So anyone who heard that would understand it in their own native language. Because it was uh, in the Middle East at the time, there's a holiday going on and everyone was there from all around. The so no matter who you were, you would hear it in that particular native language. And that's a lot of the times, that's what the Bible is referring to when it says tongues or speaking in tongues. It means he's just speaking another language or an unknown language. Uh, I guess in America, it's kind of been twisted a lot to mean speaking like actual gibberish in a lot of churches. So I, I, we can get into that later if you want, but that's my understanding of it at least. I could be wrong. I'm not a scholar or anything. So. That is fascinating. I've definitely heard that term. I am not educated on that at all. Um, I definitely grew up with a family who did have a faith. My grandma, God rest her soul, she is Catholic. And that is the church that I kind of grew up in. But I didn't, I was never an avid church kid. I didn't go through communion or anything like that. Um, but the things that I took away were, uh, you don't mess with a Ouija board because that's what brings in the demons. And that possession is 1000% real. Those are the things that I have knowledge in. Um, but I, I think those are just superstitions that I have to this day. You're absolutely right when you say that it just becomes talking in gibberish. And I think you have a fantastic explanation. I mean, I don't by any means have an explanation, but I think the way that you described it is how I've always understood it. And I, from what, again, like you said, it's very different from what the Bible actually means by that. So I can't imagine that 
like seeing that for the first time for me, that would be like culture shock. I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I would be like, are you possessed by it? Seriously, that, that was our first reaction. The first couple of times we heard it, it wasn't until like months later, like after we had gone to like, like we kind of like thought we like misheard the pastor's thing or something like, cause it was mostly just him doing it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he, we thought he was doing, but we didn't like think, think anything it. of it. I think we both were like questioning it at the time, but let it go. Like, thought maybe it was like his personal preference thing that he does. But yeah, yeah. we we later, as I'm sure we'll probably have time to get into, visited their mother church. And that's when we hands on saw it at a way crazier level. Wow. So was was your next door neighbors, were they close in age to you guys? No, no. I mean, they're like double our age they're like well not quite double but i would say like 15 20 years older than us so like they have okay. kids that are like preteens. so yeah it definitely was a, a big age gap but we connected really well just because they were so hospitable to us yeah. because i think that is really what they are taught and obviously they want to be welcoming people to join their church so yeah we we still really connected with them even though we uh far away in age yeah and they were really nice people they were like really always making food for us always being super kind super friendly inviting us over just to yeah. play games like just hanging out yeah we'll get into that too later but yeah it's kind of <laughs> like they were they were i would say if it wasn't for the church experience like if they ha didn't happen to be like leaders of a church or pastor and pastor's wife we probably would have hung out and kept hanging out with them they were like fun people to be around but that's why yeah. i think it took so long for us to just break away yeah they make it so compelling and even if that is their personality which is fantastic i'm not saying that they by any means are bad people but the the charisma that people have in these environments like they make it fun i i remember so many fun times in worldwide like during my honeymoon phase like the first year of being a part of worldwide was just so fun i mean we had these things they were we called them incentives right we could qualify to go there basically we like we're trying to spear hunt as many people and we did or you know whatever their numbers were so we could go like a water like not a water park but they have this like big lake outdoor event they had christmas events during christmas time even though the the underlying message which is you need to go out and spear hunt people the parties themselves were a blast so i agree that's i think a huge part of why i stayed because they were fun people i mean I think the upline were definitely narcissistic, but anybody who was like cross line for me or my direct upline, fantastic. So I see exactly what you're saying there. Um, so what were some of their teachings? I mean, you went over this whole tongues thing, which is again, so fascinating. So like I said, I'm not versed in the Bible. This is not my personal expertise, but was there anything specific that they were teaching that was maybe a little bit out of the ordinary? I, I would like to also preference for the most part, most of the um, issues and like, disagreements we had were with CFM as a whole and Potter's House as a whole. The church plant we were a part of was so tiny that uh, Trevor and Tanya, like the pastors that led that church, they really didn't do anything negative. Like we still love them as people and consider them friends, even though we aren't super close anymore. Um, so I just wanted to preface with that too. But yeah, yeah most of it is like the, uh, the Potter's House organization that teaches like a lot of anti-biblical things and cult-like things. So I would say like their biggest teachings that we saw and like learned more too from research are how against they are with anything secular. And that's being like, just having a TV in your home is like, no, like you can't do that. 
can't go to the movie theaters like to watch any movie. can't listen to really like secular music um what else were you gonna say about i was probably gonna say like uh like dress code things too like very typical like patriarchal uh like nuclear family like i don't even think women are more allowed to wear pants like if you were the pastor's wife you weren't supposed to wear pants i guess that was like a thing you could never like not be in a dress or skirt yeah you always had to be like presenting a feminine demeanor which i mean is i mean if that's what you want to be that's fine it's, but it just seemed i've heard things and seen things that are just like oh no but uh i don't know how i was going with it you pretty much she pretty much covered it all yeah with the secular stuff like them not having tvs like even like anything non-secular cutting it out like it seemed quite extreme at the time uh but yeah. Yeah, there was just a lot of like unspoken rules that I mean we weren't given like a rule book, but we know based on the research we saw, like these were what a lot of the bigger churches went by with their kind of requirements or like the ways they would shame you if you were doing these like secular or worldly things. Yeah. And I guarantee if the church had gotten big enough, those rules would have been more like prevalent. The fact that it was a brand new church plant, only eight of us, they didn't really like have the ability to, I guess, kind of be that way because they were probably too worried to lose anyone. Uh, that was a big thing that I did read when I was researching was all of those different things you couldn't, like you said, couldn't do anything that they would consider secular. You can't have TVs, which I thought was wild because I mean, I see that you can look up their sermons to listen to online, which a lot of the times on a smart TV couldn't, wouldn't that be like a good idea? You know, you yeah, can't yeah. do something. You can just watch it from home, which I thought that was so crazy, but Again, though, it's just so crazy to me how how similar these things are to worldwide, because they would preach that you shouldn't have those things in your home because you're not building the business. If you have them, you're distracted, like you're not focused. People would they would send down. So we had this thing, which I know you guys listen to, but we had this thing called communicate and they would send down messages from people who were saying, yep, we just got rid of our TV. We're not going to get it back until we've reached X pin level. And they're praising that kind of behavior. Because they are then one, they're, they're showing that they're quote all in, that they're going to be 100% focused on worldwide's mission. And it sounds like that's very, a similar thing for the church where you need to be, if not 100, 1000% dedicated to this specific message that they are preaching and any sort of outside influence could deter you from that. Does that, is that very similar to how it was? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's actually crazy how similar they are. And they also yeah. will say not to really even have contact with anyone not within the church too. Like I remember our pastors, like they are really not in touch with their family at all. Like their only community is people within the church, which I understand if you do have a bad family life, but they more so like if the family disagrees with the church or doesn't want to be a part of it, they basically cut them off. Like even if that family member wasn't like toxic or anything, they still would not really be in communication with them. Yeah. And I'm sure if you want to look up later, there are tons of stories where people have lost mothers, sons, brothers, and sisters because they're part of this. And the pastor or the potter house just said, nope, they're not part of your life anymore. They're not going to the church. Don't communicate with them. That, that's that's pretty oh common. We didn't experience that, but that's common enough to where we were like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, but, but it's true. Like all of these different cult-like environments, they all offer all of these different similarities because worldwide was like that too. I can't yeah. speak enough to like, well, and they don't do it in a way where they're like, cut off your family, 1000%. No, well, you wouldn't go talk to your, your mom who's been divorced three times about marriage. You would come to us about that. 
or your parents, they work a job. They worked a job for 20 years, 30 years, your whole life. They don't know how to be a millionaire. So you'll just come to us. And then eventually they say, you need to counsel upline about everything. You don't make a decision without counseling upline. But then they turn around and say, you're asking for perspective and not permission. But if you don't go with what they say, you are heavily criticized for that. So eventually it does become, okay, those are my family. That's my family now. And I've heard stories too from, I lost my daughter to Amway. I haven't even met my grandchildren because my child is in Worldwide Dream Builders in Amway. And again, just a quick disclaimer, I should have said this before, but if I throw out the word Amway, it's purely because they're a distribution company, no beef with them. My beef is with Worldwide. They do offer that same cult-like environment and they say that they don't, but they do because look at these similarities. It's crazy. So I know that you guys said that you didn't experience those types of things, which is good. I'm really happy to hear that. And you're right. It is super common. I have heard very similar stories from people who have come out about leaving the Potter's house and what their experiences have been. So like, I'm sure you guys have like a honeymoon phase, right? Where you were really excited about it and fired up. What did that look like? And what kind of kept you guys drawn in? I think it was the association of it. Like they, uh, the pastors, they were still our neighbors for a few months because their, their home was being built. Like they just moved to this area to plant their church. They came like from another state too, which is crazy just to, to start this church themselves, all their own finances, like they're, they sold their previous house and did all this just for the church. So I think being their next door neighbor kind of like caused us to be so attached and kind of close for the first few months. Like we were basically helping them start up their church too. We were like kind of loyal to them. I would say like attended all of the services or most services that is, um, they did a lot of outreach, which would be going door to door, handing out invitations to church, talking to people about church. Um, and then we would do like, just like game nights, just hanging out through the week, just to be around them. So we would probably be hanging out with them four or five times a week for these first few months. Yeah. Those first few months where we were just, we were kind of like, we felt like we were in something cool. It's like, Oh, they're starting a church. Like, that's really awesome. Like, this is really cool. This is- and we like enjoyed hanging out with them. They were really nice. They like gave us that like feel good attention. They like cared about us, asked about our days. Like, they laughed at our jokes, even when we weren't <laughs> even funny. Like, so I guess they just gave us the attention we kind of wanted. We were new to the area, didn't really have many friends. So I think that's probably what kept us around. And we felt like we had similar values. And the few other people like were in similar stages of life that were also uh, attending the church. So I think collectively, that's probably what um, had that fun- honeymoon stage. I guess, feeling out of this world for us. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you, it sounds like you wanted to be a part of something bigger, bigger than yourself, which again, it's crazy. You're going to hear me say this a thousand times over again, but that's very similar to worldwide. And and I think that's a lot of people can speak to that because you listen to social media, especially with the rise of these motivational speakers, right? You hear them and they talk about, don't be average. And then when you find something, they're like, oh, I can be bigger than myself here. I can help other people. Why not? Because you you think about all the people who do have similar values to you guys who are probably also looking for church where, and they want to be supportive of people. I think that's something very our generation is that we want to be supportive of, of small businesses. 
we want to be there to help other people grow. And why go to a big, I guess, conglomerate church when you could be helping your next door neighbor who's just trying, who's humbly just trying to help people in a congregation, tiny little congregation, but we want to build it, right? So I know that you said that you guys were going around and talking about the church. Was What was the goal of the church? Was it to kind of bring in new members? What did that look like? Yeah, I, it definitely was like just bring in as many people as you can get inside the doors, uh, mostly because it was like a new church. So it didn't feel like that was like an unrealistic expectation. It's like, well, I had just found a new church. I don't want new people to be there too. But it was more than that. It was like every Saturday we would go out and we would do outreach is what they called it. And I wasn't very comfortable with this. I'm like, uh, you know, it would be like a Saturday morning at like 9 a.m. I think we'd all meet up at like some apartment complex. We'd be given a whole bunch of pamphlets and the expectation was just to knock on as many doors as possible, regardless even if people like didn't answer, slam doors on our face. Like, as a person who's never done that, I've never been like evangelical about like, like knocking on people's doors. I've never done that before. I've never been a missionary. So I, going from like, oh, hi, what's up? Like to knocking on people's doors to being like, oh, hey, do you want to come to our church? And like, I was not ready for it. We weren't ready for yeah. it. It was culture shock i was like what are we doing like if someone did this to me even as a christian i'd be like hey thanks but i'm trying to sleep it's a saturday and that's how most people's attitudes were yeah. like what are you doing here leave me alone most people were not happy to see us and i was like why are we doing this isn't the way we reach people in 2020 right and it would just felt like wrong it felt like i was like it was like i was embarrassed for myself doing it yeah no way, if that even makes sense like we just went along with it because that's what they were doing and we wanted to be supportive but we felt awkward doing it like yeah. it was kind of like prospecting it really much was and they also asked us to like oh if you got any friends bring them go ahead come on like show them what it is you know and out of like we didn't have any friends we just moved to the area so you know we couldn't really bring anyone <laughs> but i'm sure i think a few of the other people in the congregation did end up bringing a few friends they only went like once or twice i think so yeah not even i think it was just once and they would do some other like they would plan fun events that weren't part of the church service but they would do like yeah maybe a movie night once a month that would kind of be the i guess you could say secular thing that would bring people in that wasn't necessarily for a normal church service and then they would share the gospel like at that event at the end um but even those weren't very effective like they didn't bring in many people but they tried to like really hype them in or hype them up but i know some of the bigger locations do regularly offer those kind of events what kind of movies are they playing if you're not supposed so to it was movies? around christmas time and it was a christmas it was jingle movie. jingle all the way yeah it was the one that we were at there's some violence in that movie <laughs> yeah so... i guess <laughs> there is <laughs> no i'm just kidding it's definitely a like kid-friendly movie i was yeah, just thinking yeah. about some of like the fight scenes i'm pretty sure that someone was drinking in that movie so I was thinking, like, if you're not Probably. supposed to watch anything, like, what a movie to choose. I was thinking, like, Passion of the Christ or, you know, something just so G-rated. But that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. But I could see how if you're bringing in, especially people closer to your guys' age, I know you guys are very similar in age to me, that those types of people, they're looking for, like, fun, hip environments. Kind of like you guys had said, you weren't going to those traditional churches you were going to those more fun upbeat environments where you know where there's music and people are really upbeat and they're just really youthful and fun that's kind of what i would envision um but when you're bringing someone who's looking maybe for that and then they learn they have to give up their tv i could see why people wouldn't necessarily stick around but the fact that you guys are so nice and so genuine as people and the fact that your pastors were so genuine 
I could also see how that is appealing, especially to maybe other folks who are in your same situation where brand new, just want to make friends. And these two people, Hey, I, I believe in God, let's go. You know, yeah. so I could totally see how that that does have an appeal because I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like, oh, from the outside, this sounds terrible, which is true from the outside of anything. It sounds horrible. But when you are in the midst of it, you don't see what you don't see. You don't know what you don't know. And um, I do have to say, though, you're uh, going door to door. That sounds like like door to door sales almost, which is something I too could never do, but you're right. It does sound like prospecting. And that's something that we had to do for worldwide, which was, it's just, I mean, it's a very common MLM term, right? You prospect people or you connect with people, basically you're just spear hunting them. But when you believe in something so much, despite the fact that you have some discomfort, you believe in what you're doing. And then that discomfort eventually goes away because you're just preaching a good message. So that's really interesting. Uh, did you guys ever actually end up bringing anybody to to this church? I don't think we I did. Did we even? No. Like, I think we did try inviting like a few of his coworkers because that was kind of like the only people we other knew. people we knew. <laughs> um, no, I don't yeah, I don't. Ever. I don't think we did ever actually bring anyone. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, but the whole like outreach thing, uh, and it was kind of like after the first couple months, we're like kind of like, oh man, we don't. I like I don't want to wake up and like I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to waste my Saturday doing. Like, I want to sleep in. This is like one of my days off. And this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done. Like, legitimately, it's awful. Like, I hated it. Not not preaching, like asking people to come to church. That was obviously, that's the good intentions. But knocking on strangers' doors, not expecting what, not, have no idea what's going to happen. And people just being rude to you. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't for that part of it. And a lot of the times when we didn't like, like oh, hey, sir, like, uh, hey, uh, Trevor, we can't go. We can't make it. Or we just wouldn't show up. He would personally, Pastor Trevor would personally call us up. And ask us how we're doing like hey where are you guys going like what's going on you guys not coming like he would i don't want to say hound dog us but he would definitely try to reach out if we didn't attend like any kind of function whether it was like a game night or a bible study or the saturday outreach it was immediately like i was getting a phone call being like hey where are you guys like not necessarily not like that but like oh i just want to make it you guys like i'm just checking and making sure everything's okay you guys doing good like totally like that but it was obvious that like he just wanted to see we, why we weren't there. You know what I mean? Or like wait for us to like fess up and say why. We oh, wow. So they they basically take attendance, and if you don't show yeah. up, it, in, in, like in, even if we gave him an answer, like oh, yeah, that's all right, man. Like oh, all right, cool. The thing like, is, like yeah, he would stay so positive. He's like, so positive. He would never like show us he was mad at us or anything. Like, but you could tell like he was depending on us, counting on us, and we weren't helping him meet his goals. I guess you could say. Yeah. Wow. But it didn't cause like any beef. Like, I mean, they would okay. just be just as friendly the next time we saw him. So I mean, yeah, that at least like, wasn't like a bad thing, I guess. Yeah. And it was just like uncomfortable because after they had moved out from being our neighbors, they moved into their house and it was like, okay, we had some distance between them. They literally weren't next door. So if there was a period where it's like, we were living our lives and they were living our theirs. And we only went to like the, the board game night and uh, the church and like the Saturdays where we did the outreach. And like, that was enough. I was like, okay, cool. And we don't see yeah. them like every day, every day. Like the much. normal, like bare minimum when they moved into their house would be like Sunday would be church in the morning, but then they would invite us over to their house for lunch slash like hanging out. And then they did actually have a Sunday evening service. We never really went to that. And they kind of, I think they expected us to, but we just didn't really want to devote our entire day to them. Yeah. But a lot of the other people there would just literally stay at their house 
to like the next service. And so they, they practically just spend their whole Sunday with them. Yeah. And then Wednesday would be the Bible study night. And then we would usually hang out a little bit after that for like dinner or hanging out, playing games. And then Saturday was the outreach. That would probably be like the average week with them. Got it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, the association though is really cool. I'm glad that you guys have like a positive experience with them. Um, but I know you guys said that you did go to their mother church. What was that experience like? I know that you you mentioned the the tongue situation, but what else were things that you noticed there that maybe looking back were red flags that you didn't recognize as red flags at the time? Yeah. Uh, should we explain the mother church situation first, like what that yes. means first? Yes, please do. So, okay. So uh, from my knowledge, at least, the research I've done and what we gathered once we left or once we were close to leaving was that the Potter's House, the Door, whatever Christian fellowship ministries was time, seemed to be wanting to spread as many churches as possible as quickly as possible. And I'm a pretty theological guy. I like to like deep, deep into the word and whatnot. But Potter's House kind of didn't want to take the time to develop pastors. A lot of like religious institutions require like people to have some kind of theological degree, whether they spent like either a couple of years doing that thing or learning it or like being an actual scholar in it, whether, you know, like this takes years to become like, you can't just like become a pastor overnight. A lot of like churches don't really allow that. You have to have like some kind of credentials and background. Potter's House and I guess other CMFs kind of didn't believe that. The goal of the time, I guess, or the idea was that you'd spend at least two years under the lead pastor becoming like a pastor apprentice. And after two years, like, like watching him do it doing a few services here and there yourself the expectation was that you would leave the church you'd uproot your whole life your whole family you'd probably move some far away and you'd start a church plant and that church you left would be quote unquote your mother church right and the goal was to then grow that church as big as possible start as many church plants as possible out of your church and so it's kind of like, I think you mentioned before in uh, one of your, uh, I'm not sure, for Amway, they have like downlines, kind of like that, where the, whatever tithing you get, so let's say I was a church, I would give 10% of that tithe up to my mother church. And then that mother church would give 10% up to their mother church. So the more church plants you have, the more wealthy, I guess, your church becomes. Yeah. So Wow. So like a typical pyramid. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I was just like, that, Yes. Yes, you are absolutely right when you say like an upline. Yes, because it's it works the same way. They want you to grow your business and extend your legs out every which direction, everywhere you go. That's insane, though, that they would have you guys just like uproot and go anywhere. So you're already brand new to Arizona. Where do they expect you to go? Like, is there like hubs where they're like hub areas where they're like, hey, so this area we want to, um, I guess, uh, infiltrate their market would they just say like okay uh california they are lacking in this area go there or do you get to choose well i don't know from like the leadership side of things just because we weren't in on it but i want to say it would i remember there would be these big conferences that they would have and we never actually went just because they were always out of state and we never really wanted to travel for them. But I think the conferences were really like the big announcement kind of day when they would be basically sending off these new pastors to their chosen areas. And I think it was probably based on just where there is the need. Like if there's not a location or it's like a, a new area where it could probably use the church, that's where they would send you. And 
I think you're kind of like strong armed into doing it. Like if everyone's like rooting you on, like you can do this, you can do this, even if you probably are completely against it, you're going to do it anyway, just because that's what they tell you that God's calling you to do essentially. Yeah. They kind of really strong, like God's calling you to lead a church and we were watching one of, this is really close to moment. This was like the, one of the final nails in the coffin. Uh, we were watching one of those conferences, I guess, virtually. And one of the, I guess, higher up mother church upline leadership said that it was the goal of the church. Like all these young men in these chairs and watching from home, you guys are going to be pastors. All of you are going to like go out and start your own churches. Like That's the goal. Like every man here, that's what he's got to do. And looking from the hardships of Treasure, Trevor, the pastor, he basically uprooted his whole family. They sold their house. They moved pretty far away, like into a different state, like just out of nowhere. I don't know if it was out of nowhere. There's a huge buildup, but it just seemed like insane to me like just to do that, just because your church says to, right? Not for any particular reason, but you want to start a church because your church says to start a church. But also this guy, Trevor, has a full-time job already. Oh, yeah. He's not a full-time pastor. He does like a normal nine to five job and does all this on the side too. And that's what most of these church planners do too. Like they're just a part-time pastor while still working their full-time job. So it's like a huge ask for you to just uproot your whole life and career for these churches. No joke. So what was that like when you had heard that, John? When you were like, I gotta I gotta be a pastor now. That was like we were on the tail end of our way out. I was like, what are they talking? This is this <laughs> like I get like starting churches is good. Like I obviously I, I want the faith to spread, but it just really struck me as like pyramid scheme. Allegedly. Because when I read online, we were having our doubts. We did a little bit of research once we like encountered like our first too many like, red flags. Too many red flags were like, what is going on? And we read this online, they're like, yeah. The churches kind of basically structure like that. They want to have church plants to give 10% up to their mother church, who then gives 10% up to their other church. So the goal is to have as many churches below you as possible. I'm like, these are huge institutions. Like people take out mortgages. They leverage, like they live, they lead their whole lives. I'm like, I'm not sure if I would be willing to do that for a church just so maybe some guy or maybe some financial institution get a little bit more money like I, I i would love to start a church if i had the ability to but i don't think i'm maybe i am pastor too maybe i'm not i don't know but it's not like i'm being strong-armed into it it's like a calling you called to lead a church you don't like it's not yeah. someone who's like supposedly supposed to be your mentor is like kind of forcing you to and without any like actual theological doctrine no like biblical scholars like you didn't go to college for it like i can't i can't imagine doing that like if i ever wanted to be that i'd have to like study for it. i would want to go to school for it like i'd be a full-time yeah. thing there's biblical colleges like people devote their whole life to this just to become a pastor or a preacher yeah wow i totally see where you're coming from because the idea of uprooting your family and going to wherever they tell you to and you don't even know if that's what you want to do with your life that's insane i could not imagine like just kind of hearing that um well one i'm glad that that was kind of the last straw where you're like no i'm done um but actually i was gonna kind of go back and see what what really started with you guys seeing the red flags like i'm sure it was a very like gradual process but what did that look like when you guys were kind of like you know what this is not looking right and what was the catalyst for that yeah i think yeah (laughs) he said the new year's eve so that was actually our first time visiting the mother church so we did meet some of the um mother church attendees um just from hanging out like outside occasions where they had invited them to the area so we always got the impression that they were just extremely nice literally the nicest people we've ever met like i remember probably like a few days later like 
didn't you say to like uh, Trevor just how nice they were? Like you've never met nice people. Like, yeah, yeah. That was like the one thing that I don't. know, You just would probably have never met people as nice. Maybe at like the functions you guys go to. I don't know if that's usually just the positive vibe that everyone is just so excited about life there and cares about you. So we were kind of looking forward to this New Year's event that they had. So it was New Year's Eve. What you're supposed to be doing just. Hanging out was kind of like a fun hangout night, essentially, and just ending the new ending the year, starting the new year off right. So it was like a potluck. They had like a talent show, like typical like Christian things that were not like it was a no talent talent show. Yeah. So I mean, we were just kind of doing the fun parts of it. But then once I think it was like about to hit midnight or like just after midnight, um, we didn't like watch the ball drop or anything. It was more so like we prayed through the new year. And this was when it was really like more of the speaking in tongues side of things. And we just witnessed it at like a whole nother level. So I'll let John talk about that. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. So they did like a little service where they're like, oh, this is like what we were praying for in the new year and uplifting message, typical church stuff. Uh, I don't even remember what the message was about, but at some point they were just like, all right, we're going to start praying. And then like they, the, the pastor, like as he was praying, he would start saying words and then suddenly it'd be gibberish, like every other word. And then like everyone else around us was like bowing their heads. Cause I remember I looked up, I was like, what did he say? Like, what's going on right now? And then I saw like people in the front row started speaking more gibberish. And then they had more of, I guess, an ending, like of an altar call where people were just straight up like hands in the air, like kind of like, I don't want to say screaming, but speaking very loudly, completely in tongues. And me and Christina like looked around. We were the only two people in this entire like. This is probably like a hundred, hundred people, hundred twenty people. Just not like doing this right now. Even like I don't want to be rude, but there were like some young children, like five to eight years old, that were like up on the altar, like doing this too, like on their hands and knees, fully like just mimicking what they probably saw their parents do, not understanding it. And like people, we were just like, "What is happening? Like this is insane!" Like to go because you got to remember at our church plan, there's only like eight to ten people. Like it was really really small. So if the pastor ever did it, it was like a onesie twosie thing. Like he never like did that. It wasn't until we get into the mother church learned out like, "Oh no, everyone does this like all the time." Apparently, it's like every service it seems like, and it was just absolute like insanity. It's like yeah, like you can't even describe describe it, it unless you're in that environment. There's a whole nother energy. Yeah. And people might say that's the Holy Spirit, but I don't think it was. It was definitely like people were just saying like whatever came to their mind. Like I definitely did not feel like any Holy Spirit calling me to speak out like that. And it was just like absolutely like what is happening? And we we decided to like take a step back and be like, all right, like because it was a pretty long drive home and we rode with them. So we had to like stay in the car. Like we didn't ask any questions, like what happened? Like, what's going on? Like we didn't talk about it. You're just like, all right, yeah, so that happened. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow then. You know, thank yeah. you. But then that was no. probably when we like first kind of like thought, okay, this is getting kind of weird. weird. Yeah, something. Well. But then I would say like the next few weeks, that's when there were some guests at the regular church and they were trying to get people to start speaking in tongues by, oh, I don't yeah. know the exact process. That like, was like the moment we stopped going to church. Like, all right, we're like not going to church. I was like, that's it. We're done. We can talk about that. Yeah. If you want to like go into that. Because this is like the downfall. Yeah, please do. So this was like what finally did it for us. Uh, we were we went to church and um, it was like an average Sunday, and someone actually brought their friend there, like first time goers. Like they, I don't know if they were Christian before or if they're not. Whatever the, the case was, Trevor gives a great sermon, and uh, it's awesome, cool. And they do the altar call at the end, and usually at the altar call, I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but they usually said, "Does anyone like feel compelled by God right now? Like, come on up, and I'll pray for you." Oh, we didn't even talk about the backsliders. 
stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to get into that. My bad. Completely forgot. So sorry. But so real quick, if you ever do anything that I guess is like, I guess, considered, quote unquote, against the church or more so sinful, like, let's say you're a person who's struggling with like addiction or something, you could ask the church to pray for you or like, they'd be like, come on all up, all backsliders, we welcome you back. Like, it was kind of basically a way of saying like, hey, I didn't go to church for a few weeks or like, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And you guys are like, I'm publicly admitting like, hey, I'm recommitting to this, which is good and all like, that's awesome. But the way they did it, it made it seem like anything you did wrong against the church was like, quote unquote, you're backsliding, like you're not doing good. So like any Yikes. like transgression could be like, oh, you're a backslider. Like, come on up. Come on. Like, they just like, look at you while you're there saying it too. I'm like, what? Okay. So this one guy, he decided, they asked like, does anyone feel compelled by God? Any backsliders want to come up and get like reacquainted, re refaith, take their pledge with God? And that was like the thing. I guess you weren't like, I guess to them, like you weren't on one-on-one -on -one with Jesus unless you went up in front of the altar and like pledged right there. You're like, I know I'm like a sinner and stuff like, but you had to do it in front of everyone. There was no like private, like baptization. There was no like, and they did it like every week. They asked this, like, come on up and re-pledge yourself. So anytime you ever thought you sinned, you'd have to come up and re-pledge everything. It was quite silly sometimes, but regardless, this one guy, he had never been to the church. He had showed up and uh, the lead pastor, Trevor, asked him to come on up. Like, hey, come on, you're feeling compelled. Like, go ahead, get your, like, we'll get you, go ahead and pledge your God. Pledge to God. And he, he's just like, all right, we're going to start chanting. Everyone start chanting. Like, this was like, I, I don't even know if this was like what we usually did. I can't yeah, even remember. This was like the first time I think someone knew actually came, came yeah. asking for this kind of yeah, usually, blessing. Yeah, the people who would go up for this, who would, at this part of the church were usually regular. So it was like pretty like average. Like, oh, this is what happened. Okay, cool. But this is like the first time a new person went up. And at that time, uh, basically, he's like, all right, church, we're all going to start like praying for him real hard. And everyone else but us was like pretty much speaking in tongues, just like praying, like talking really loud. I don't want to say they're screaming, but it basically was. And then the pastor started doing that. And then he's like, and he asked the individual, it was a young man, he's like, if you start feeling compelled, man, just go ahead and start speaking and speaking in tongues. So go ahead, start doing it. Go ahead, go ahead. And then like, he just didn't do it. He's like sitting there like, yeah, nodding his head, eyes closed while everyone's like screaming at him, throwing hands up in the air. And then like, after like a minute, he stops and like, oh yeah, okay. You guys want to try again? <laughs> like they went for round two. Trying to get him to speak speaking in tongues. Yeah, they're like, come on. Do it. In the whole time, the pastor's like, oh, just speaking to him. Like, 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 yeah, even if it feels weird, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, go ahead. Come on. Like, even if it feels weird. And he's basically like strong-arming this guy to try to get him to speak in tongues. And I think that's one of the things we didn't mention earlier, but theologically, I think uh, maybe not the Potter's House, but maybe some other CMFs believe that you don't actually receive like the gift of God, like you're not one-on-one -on -one with God or like being a good Christian unless you can speak in tongues. It's like a sign. It's like, oh yeah, now you're like, you went from a level zero Christian to like a level one Christian. You can speak in tongues now. Congrats. That's oh, like, wow. I believe part of their theological like ideology and they really tried to strong arm this guy for like four minutes straight, like two times in a row. Just like, come on, church, come on. And like, just, we're all just like praying real loudly for him and everyone else but us are speaking in tongues. And this guy didn't do it the second time. He's like, all right, it's okay. That's okay. It comes naturally whenever you're ready. And I was just like, what just happened? Like, what happened? Like, this is cool. Like, did they just, that, I was baffled. I was like, we need to leave tomorrow. This isn't normal yet. <laughs> this is not <laughs> normal. <laughs> I don't think we had ever really even looked anything up online about it. Like we just kind of took it as this was how the church was. But then we were like super naive and then realized how much there actually was. And that's when we like, I don't even know. I, I want to say I felt like sick to my stomach reading it all. Like 
I had no idea what we just had gotten ourselves involved in all this time. And yeah, we kind of just, I think, stopped showing up a few times. And then that's when I, I want to say Trevor called us and we kind of were like, yeah, we're, we don't think we're going to be a part of this anymore. We just need to stop. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was really hard to do that. Actually, these were people we were hanging out with multiple times a week. We felt like we lost our closest friends, but we just yeah. couldn't keep doing this. Like it was not normal. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. I, I, I would, I mean, I would leave too, but I can see why it was challenging, especially like, like we talked about, you guys were new to the area. You connected so well, but then you find out these people are a little out of your comfort zone to say the least. And, um, it is crazy. The things that you read about, about Potter's house. I, I we were talking about this earlier, but there was a, a pretty big like car crash in Australia where essentially this truck driver was saying like, I'm be I'm, I'm possessed by a witch and he hadn't been sleeping. And I think he was allegedly on drugs and he went to his boss and his boss was a part of this Potter's house and said, Oh, it's fine. We'll just pray together and you'll be fine. Where this guy who was so sleep deprived went along his way and was driving and veered off the road. And we're talking about a big semi truck and he killed four police officers because he veered off the road and crashed. And it was incredibly sad because people were like, what, like, why was there no inner, like intervention here? Why didn't the boss deem him not able to drive? Well, it's because he was a part of this Potter's house and was like telling him, oh, we'll just pray about it. It's fine. And, and I totally understand the need for prayer. I definitely believe in that. I think that if people feel that praying is going to help them, please do. But if you're also like, unsafe as a human obviously don't do that kind of stuff and then you have stories of people who had left who had been around the church for 10 20 years people who were born into the church who just talk about um i know in one podcast i had i had seen on youtube it was called uh, mandy speaks up i think she was in the church but i saw her interviewing someone else who had been talking about how she was 17 when she was exposed to this church met a guy who was 12 years older than her who would eventually groom her into becoming his wife um and just the horror stories that you hear so it is a lot but i'm really glad that you guys came here and decided to talk about this because i can't imagine how many more people have gone through this or have been approached and been like whoa what did i <laughs> like maybe i dodged a bullet here with that all being said how much better is your life now that you are away from this place have you guys found a home church where you feel comfortable and people aren't screaming and gibberish oh yeah. yeah yeah definitely i'd say it's just like i was i don't want to this might sound insane but i was very stressed out to do like all the church functions to do the bible study the game night the lunch the outreach to go to church church service like all of it was like i was we were like expected to see these people like four to five times a week and at that point i was kind of like done with it i was super stressed i didn't want to do any of it but our church now is really fantastic yeah we were at a good church i mean thriving church like a youthful one that kind of like exactly what we were looking for so yeah we're really happy with it there and met a lot of great people we actually even met someone who was formerly a part of a potter's house too which oh no crazy. way and yeah. we like connected on that. So yeah, it was, yeah, we were really happy where we're at now. No joke. That's crazy. But it is kind of fun, right? When you can kind of connect with someone and be like, yo, did you have this experience? And they're like, oh my yeah, gosh, like, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. 
tra trauma bonding is always super fun. Um, so is, is there anything that you want people to know? Maybe some last final thoughts, just anything at all. The floor is yours. I would just say anyone listening who thinks they might have a similar story, don't be afraid to share it. You never know who will connect and how good it actually feels to let it out and, and share it. So I would, I would just say anyone listening who even thinks they might have something worth sharing, send Danny a message on Instagram, however platform you like. Um, I think it might be worth sharing. Do you have anything to say? Oh yeah. So uh, my bad. I was going to say, don't let this story, if you're listening to this and you're uh, either like, maybe you're not a non-Christian or you're Christian that's wavering faith. Don't let the story be like a, a nail in the coffin for that or downplay that. Uh, you can have a wonderful life with it if you have a relationship with God, in my opinion. Um, but unfortunately, there are, like there is with everything, there are some negative entities out there, bad organizations that kind of seem to take advantage of people's good faith and good trust. And don't let this story like define what you think of Christians. If you're, if you're not familiar at all with all that, there's a lot more to it than that. This is like, very out there stuff. So yeah, no, that's a really good message. And it's true. I, I have to agree. It's it's, it's very like I said, it's very similar to what I went through. Again, I'm so glad that you guys had this willingness to share this story. And thank you again for for recommending that people come out and talk about it. Because we do we have so many people come and, and not everybody wants to have their story recorded, which is totally fine. I'm here to just listen. So if you've been a part of some sort of cult like environment, please reach out. I'd be so happy to communicate with you and just hear your story. But yes, if you want to tell your story, if you want to be anonymous, similar to how Allison and John are, please let me know. I would love that. Follow me on Instagram at X's and T underscore podcast, as well as TikTok at X's and T underscore podcast. And I will be developing a website very soon. So stay tuned. I'm really excited. Thanks so much, everybody for tuning in. And again, thank you so much, John and Allison for coming on. It was such a pleasure having you guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. We enjoyed it. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you.